0: Hello everyone, Dr Julie here, and you are listening to my Coffee Chats podcast. I am a health researcher, PhD trained, and chef, self-trained, on a mission to leave the next generation and our planet a lot more of a healthier place. This is your space to ask questions on topics that no one seems to want to discuss, with information that is backed by research, along with a good dose of practical advice. Real talk, real people, real answers. Let's get into this week's episode. In today's episode, we are going to be taking three caller questions. Where parents go wrong with toddler feeding, how to reset after travel, and it's school holidays right now, so this might be relevant to some of you even with older children, and just how bad are baby food pouches. Let's get into it. So where parents go wrong with toddler feeding. I am really careful to not say that parents get it wrong. Feeding toddlers is incredibly challenging. Babies, yes, while they're hard, they are on a more simplistic program of sort of eat, sleep, cuddle, repeat. And they also haven't started to flex that cognitive muscle of that inquiry around, you know, what do I need to do to get the thing that I want to eat? And for a lot of toddlers, they know that there are other options in the home. And it's incredibly challenging because there is a 24 seven access to food in the home and outside of the home. So three areas where I see parents can get a little bit stuck. The first is not having any boundaries. And if there are boundaries, they're not firm enough and there's no follow through on them. Because toddlers know that there's food in the house and because of that constant inquiry, you have to remember that this is a high level of intelligence, right? They are going, if I do this, Am I going to get this type of response in order to get the thing that I want and that I know is there, that I've seen? You know, if you've got a three-year-old, they've spent three years absorbing the food that's inside the home. They've spent three years listening to the conversations that you have around food, watching what you eat as parents, do not underestimate how much that they know about their food environment. In fact, I actually say this is the same for babies from six months of age. So many of the strategies that I'm going to talk about now still apply. I say in all of my talks, you know, if there's one thing that I have learned about babies and toddlers, over the last decade is that they are far more intelligent than we could ever hope to understand and they learn really fast in order to survive. In terms of boundaries, toddlers need boundaries. They need boundaries not only around what they're eating but what I call the food behaviours. So that's how you structure the meal times at home and the behaviours of which are appropriate for you and your tribe in your home and it's going to be different for everyone my job is not to tell you how to parent but my job is to give you some guidance around what is going to be supportive of behaviors that are ultimately going to help your children learn how to eat and how to eat well as they grow and develop you know as adults We can't eat whatever we want, whenever we want. So why would we set that up for our toddlers, especially when they don't actually have the cognitive ability to be able to rationalize at least until the age of five? So if you are trying to tell your two-year-old the benefit of carrots in the hope that that's going to be the one thing that makes them again in commas eats them I mean you may as well be talking to a wall they don't have that ability to be able to join the dots quite in the way that we would want them to like that by all means we want to talk positively about food we want to talk about the goodness that uh, you know certain foods provide but that's not going to be the singular thing that's going to necessarily Change what they're eating. Now, I mentioned inverted commas around make a toddler eat. We cannot make them eat anything. We can't. Our responsibility is to provide opportunities for this to happen and then some structure around that. You know, if it was up to me, I love coffee, clearly. I would literally have someone standing beside my bed before I even open my eyes with a cup of coffee. And then I would have someone follow me around. Basically all day offering me a cup of coffee. That would be heaven. But we don't do that, right? So why would we do the same with our toddlers? So toddlers need boundaries. Now in one of my best-selling books, The Norwich to Toddler, I literally have about five pages of different types of boundaries that are worth having a look at or a discussion on. What works for you and your tribe may not work for someone else. That's okay. It's not about what the boundary is, it's about having the boundaries in place. And when it comes to toddlers, I always think you're better to start firmer and peel off as opposed to the other way around. So some top places that I would recommend looking at and some common areas that I see frequently when it comes to toddlers and toddler feeding is what are you going to do when your toddler rejects the meal or the food that you have put in front of them? Are you going to offer them something else? What are you going to do or what is the boundary around behaviors such as throwing food off a high chair? What will you do when your toddler doesn't want to eat at all and it's a main meal like dinner time. In terms of not being firm enough, what I mean by that is that there are some aspects of feeding which are our responsibility as parents and one of those for example is where a toddler eats. Because again, if it was up to our toddler, well they would have us following them around, just like me, with a cup of coffee. Or basically wherever they felt like it. Maybe outside, maybe in front of the television, maybe somewhere weird and wonderful, like the bathroom floor. Now, this is not to say that there might be times when you need to adjust when everything sort of goes slightly pear-shaped and you're like I just need to drag the high chair in and have you sitting there while I'm having a shower or getting changed because I'm the only one at home and you need to know that they're safe but they're also hungry for example or you're running late for work and you're trying to do both. It's what we are doing the majority of the time that they know that this is just what is expected of them and not letting them get away with it effectively. So if they are upset because you have said no to walking around the house with cheese you need to let them actually experience that and for toddlers a lot of them are going to throw tantrums or express their emotions outwards. We need to allow them the space to do that and to come back. They won't tantrum forever. And part of their core growth and development is actually learning this, having the space to work through their emotions while you are there and supportive of that. And I mean, this is not exclusive to food, but of course it's gonna show up with food because these are real pressure points uh, in the home. And in terms of follow through. This is crucial. So, the example that I often give when I'm doing my talks on toddler food, and I've got a few coming up, is imagine the person sitting next to you or a good friend of yours had never experienced the sensation of hunger. How would you explain that to them? How would you describe that to them? Now, even in your best ability, you're still not going to be able to do that the same as if they had actually experienced that. Now, we're not going to let our children starve. We're not. And our food environment is definitely going to make sure that that doesn't happen as well. However, when we're saying, if you don't eat your dinner, you will go to bed hungry, to start with, we are assuming that's they are hungry as opposed to actually knowing and it is always going to be our best guess but unless we actually follow through with that none of that means anything and it also means for our toddler that they know a lot of what we're saying or trying to encourage doesn't actually hold any weight and it's really important that they learn that you know how do we know when to eat something potentially outside of a normal time Uh, case in point how do we know to eat something before we jump on a plane because we don't know the type of food that's there or potentially we haven't ordered food right and we don't want to get hungry across that four or five hours that we might be in a plane but we know that from experiencing that Keeping in mind that because your toddlers don't have the same ability to rationalize, we're talking about explaining hunger to someone who can rationalize that. You really have little hope of doing that with toddlers unless you can associate that with a physical experience. And it's really important. This is not being mean or being cruel. You know, sometimes guiding our children actually means showing them the other side. And it's important because guess what's going to happen when they're adults? The same thing. The division of responsibility. Now I've already mentioned bits of this even in this episode. So the division of responsibility clearly separates or divides out what is our toddler's responsibility and what is our responsibility as parents. And where I see parents with toddlers getting a bit unstuck is they are trying to do their toddler's responsibility. So a toddler's responsibility when it comes to eating is to decide if they will eat and how much and as parents frequently what I see is using techniques like bribes and rewards in order to do their toddlers responsibility for example if you eat this I will give you this you know if you eat three bites of carrot you will get ice cream Or if you don't do this, then you're not going to get dessert afterwards. This is also why I don't recommend using sticker charts or reward charts or anything like that because it's actually taking the responsibility away from our toddlers. Also, where does that end? Where I see parents get a little bit unstuck is actually just not trusting their toddler. Not seeing their toddler as being capable of actually regulating their hunger and when you apply the division of responsibility right from the beginning of a food journey with a six-month-old baby this becomes a lot easier and it actually becomes easier for your to- I mentioned at the start of this episode we are only doing our best guesswork when it comes to hunger and we are we're not in our toddler's body we're not actually able to see or experience how hungry they are so we are just guessing at best and we've got to trust them they have beautiful intact metabolisms they've also got highly developed survival skills of being able to communicate when they're hungry or when they want something so when our toddler says no I'm not hungry best thing the best thing we can do is go okay and to trust them, and to trust that they will learn in the slim chance that they have got it wrong. Yeah? Toddlers, while they don't have the same cognitive development that, you know, a child five and up does, or an adult, are still highly capable, especially when it comes to their core needs like this. As human beings, we are designed to develop skills that keep us alive the most and you know when it comes to hunger and when it comes to food and when it comes to being able to express that we are hungry and we are full this is developed very 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 early on and it becomes a reciprocal relationship in that if our toddlers know that we trust them then it actually speeds this process up and it actually takes out some of the heat because they just know, hey, when I say no, it means no. When I say yes, that I'm hungry, then these are the things that are going to be offered and provided. It is challenging with toddlers and the other side with toddler feeding, which I think is really important to acknowledge is that it often comes at a part which is a really grindy part of parenting toddlers 10 months one year and up you're quite deep into some severe sleep deprivation potentially you've got another child on the way or are looking at conceiving again and you know for many you've got two working parents as well so you've got that added in on top and this is a really heavy load so do give yourself you know like a little bit of kindness while you're trying to navigate that I have loads of stuff in my book, The Norwich Toddler. Do check out my upcoming virtual events um, and in-person events as well. Resetting after travel. This is a really great question and it's wrapped into not just food but also sleep as well. And I would say that this is for babies, toddlers children and adults you know our body clocks are incredible and our body clock literally manages all of the hormone responses for both hunger and sleep and they work in unison so the more that we can protect this and this is not just after travel but also during travel it's going to really support the body's natural ability to reset itself in different time zones and in different environments. So when it comes to setting up a routine that's supportive of this, the simplest way to do this is to have a regular or the same wake up time and a regular or a same bedtime. And if you can mimic that, as I said, while you're traveling, that's going to really help to reset after you come home. But definitely, if you've had circumstances or different time zones or, you know, been with family that are on a different routine for example coming home and like literally the day that you come home or the morning after you come home having that regular wake-up time is going to help to speed up the body's natural ability to regulate body clock and therefore those two core functions of sleep and hunger it may mean you have to set an alarm and it might be a little bit harder for those first couple of days but the benefit is really going to be there uh, when you start to slip in sort of sleeping in pushing out of routine it's only going to prolongate uh, the process and so regular meal times is going to be part of that because it's going to help to regulate those hunger hormones Keeping in mind what I mentioned with the first caller's question around, uh, you know, the division of responsibility and providing that opportunity. Your job is to provide those regular opportunities. It's still going to be your baby or your toddler's job or responsibility to decide if they will eat at those times, but about having that, that structure is really going to help to, to reset. In terms of what you're providing, you know, some of those core foods um, that I mentioned in both my nourished baby and the nourished toddler, a good source of iron is really going to be supportive of sleep. Iron and protein tend to come together, so that's going to help to um, provide satiety and, and to regulate those hunger hormones and a good source of fat as well. And our third caller question is around just how bad are baby food pouches? And I think this is a great question and relative to travel as well. What I want to say right from the get-go is that if using some pre-made or bought baby food enables you to get out of the house, change your space, do whatever it is that you need to do in order to maintain your mental health and well-being, that comes first. That comes first before anything else. If it means that you can just shove something into your nappy bag, grab your baby, get out, get some fresh air, reset yourself, please do that. In my episode on the food foundations and my food philosophy, You know, thinking about that connectedness, thinking about all of those cornerstones of well-being and how they interact, and that there are some times when things become more important. I know firsthand just how grueling some of that day-in, day-out grind of motherhood and parenting can be. Always, always, always prioritize your mental health and your mental well-being, first and foremost. To answer just how bad are baby food pouches, again, I want to be really careful with the word bad. Let's go back. How much goodness are you getting from those baby food pouches? And there's a lot of different ones out on the market. Whatever you are buying in terms of packaged food, it's never going to be as nutrient dense as what you make at home, especially if it's able to be eaten directly from the package so for example with my baby pumpkin porridge that I've created it is a mix so you do add ingredients to it and I've designed it especially that way ironically so that it's also an option that you can take when you're traveling and out on the road it's taken me a decade to do it and there's a lot of goodness that's packed in there including freeze-dried pumpkin In terms of what you are getting in a baby food pouch, where I think it can become quite confusing, most of us would be able to understand that something like a custard for a baby, don't even get me started on how those can even be produced or marketed for babies, especially those that have got added sugar in them, when we've got World Health Organization guidelines for no added sugar for under two-year-olds, minor but major point there. Is that when we've got baby food pouches that are, for example, just vegetables. Firstly, always look at the back. Look at the back, look at the ingredients list. A lot of them will still use ground rice or corn flour as a filler and a stabiliser. For the ones that do say just vegetables, remember in order for it to be shelf stable, even in our pouch, there's going to need to be some level of processing for that to happen. So... The amount of goodness that would be in there compared to what you'd be making it fresh, it's not going to be the same. To understand how that works is that there's a lot of heating and cooling processes that happen to baby food uh, that deactivate some of the enzymes in the food in order for it to actually be able to be put into a packet and, and be shelf stable. There may be a time and a place for baby food pouches. Personally, I've never used them, but you would expect that. In fact, there would be something both morally and uh, actually just plain simple wrong for me to do what I do and to use those. However, I don't hold that same standard of others. That's a standard I hold of myself, who is someone literally changing the food that we have available to our babies both in terms of guidance and actually creating baby food products. They may provide a good emergency option but I would still check the age of the baby that is having them because for the majority of babies under a year of age you know they're only going to be having maybe three meals a day max and that's it you know sort of closer to 10 months to one year of age. If for example you're looking at Going on a plane or a car ride, you know, one of those meals where you might be using a pouch could still be used with either breast milk or formula. And for those that have got even younger babies, then the same applies. If you were to have a seven-month-old baby that got sick for three days, for example, they may not have any solids at all. So if you're doing a long-haul flight, they don't necessarily have to have the baby food on the plane. One day is not going to alter their nutritional intake or their overall nutritional profile. As I mentioned, right at the start of this, your sanity comes first. So if it helps to reduce your anxiety, knowing that you've got that on you, yes. And have a look at practicing taking food out and about as well. I mentioned one of the big drivers behind my baby pumpkin Porridge mix being in a a travel size is so that you get used to that. Most places, cafes, restaurants, other people's homes, you can take puree and heat it up. You can take little baby lead weaning muffins, for example. The more practice that you get in taking food out and about, so long as it's not adding too much to your mental load, it is going to help to establish some good systems for when you're taking you know your child out and they become a little bit older and you're going to need snacks out and about but I will always keep going back to that how much goodness is in the food and what are the sort of lifelong habits that you are wanting to create not just for your child but also for yourself and mother sanity first and foremost parent sanity such great questions that came through I hope that for those of you with toddlers and even younger babies, that there are some places here to start if you are struggling. Keep looking at where you apply the division of responsibility. It is a highly effective framework. For those that are travelling or going away these school holidays, do look at the routine when you are away and back again. And for those starting on solids, I will keep encouraging you to start making baby food and get practice out and about with it. It's not easy, but worth it in the long run. Have a wonderful week and I will catch you same time, same place next week. I just want to do a shout out to our incredible sponsor, Zero Six Coffee. As you all know, I am coffee obsessed. And Zero Six is a local New Zealand company, also very waste conscious. Coffee does not ask questions. Coffee understands. And coffee gives you five minutes peace in the chaos, which I really hope you get today. Please use the code 1506 for 15% off. That's it for this week's episode. If you do have a question, please drop it into the contact page of my website or a DM on Instagram. Everything from food, well-being, business, motherhood and life questions are answered here. I do really hope you get in a peaceful cup of coffee or at least take some time to yourself today. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast to keep up to date and make sure you don't miss an episode. Until next week, with love, Dr Julie.